Hi, listeners. This is Kate Barry, producer of Getting Ethics to Work. Andy and I want to invite you to join us Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time for a Zoom discussion of work ethics and life in a pandemic. Please visit the show notes to find the information to take part in our weekly discussions, which will hopefully make it easier to get ethics to work in this difficult time. See you there. From the walk-in closet in my bedroom, on behalf of the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our producer, Kate Berry. Hello. For each episode of Getting Ethics to Work, we discuss a case and unpack the difficult and often hidden ethical tensions that can make it hard to get along with others at work. And by the way, case is just an ethicist word for story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and are not offering legal expertise. But as an ethicist, I can talk about employer obligations to employees in a pandemic. I do want to take a moment to say how heartbroken we are when we see what everyone around the world is going through in this COVID-19 pandemic crisis. Kate and I are working remotely, adhering to social distancing advisements. Our thoughts are with all of you during this time. Please bear with us as we trade sound quality for safety. Today's March 23rd, and we realize that with the situation changing so quickly, some of what we say today might not even apply by our release date. Kate and I are fortunate in that much of our work involves creating online content, and we can work remotely. But we also are trying to figure out how our show would be of value as a workplace ethics podcast at a time when no one's work environment looks normal. Fortunately, we didn't have to think too hard because we very recently received an email from a listener and their organization is grappling with a really interesting moral dilemma in light of having everyone work from home due to current social distancing recommendations. Depending on what state this listener is in, it may even be a requirement, not a recommendation. Uh, Kate, do you have a copy of that letter handy? Yes, I do. This is from a letter writer we're calling Robin. They write, As I write this, we are in the midst of a COVID-19 crisis. I work for a hotel management company, and I work in the human resources department. Most offices who remain open are enforcing the current social distancing rule by asking employees to work remotely from home. Most of these companies also already have plans in place for employees to work from home, and most of these companies provide staff with laptops at least. My company does not provide laptops for myself and my coworkers, So when normal emergencies occur, such as snow days, hurricanes, or even just to stay at home with a sick child, the only option is to use paid time off and miss work that could be done if we had a work-issued laptop. So now that we're dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, we are now being forced to work from home as much as possible, but we're being told we need to use our personal computer or laptop and personal cell phones to log in and work. In a meeting to discuss this, I spoke up and asked management if it would be possible to take our work desktops home instead of having to use our personal laptops, and they said no. Is it fair or ethical for companies to ask, more so force, employees to work from home and use personal computers, cell phones, internet? I would also like to add that they are not paying for our phone use or internet use. I just feel like they could easily order some basic laptops for us since this is a unique situation, especially since I'm in HR and I deal with a lot of sensitive employee data. You would think privacy would be a huge concern and personal computer use at home on potentially unsecured network would not be allowed. Well, first off, thank you, Robin, for sending this in. There is a lot of really interesting stuff going on in this case. So, let's get to work. Well, where to start? 
when I first read through this letter, I started trying to figure out sort of, is there a general issue that we could sort of lump both these things under? The asking employees to use their own personal computer, not letting them take the desktop home. And it seems to me like what we have here is a company that has suddenly encroached on the personal lives of their employees in the sense that the company is now dictating how a lot of stuff goes in your personal life that normally you would think a company has no business doing, right? And uh, suddenly requiring to use personal resources in ways that you you might otherwise not have used them, right? Um, right. So I think, I think there's that general issue. And I do have some thoughts to help kind of frame our thinking about that general issue. Okay. So it's kind of a, an argument by analogy. In a, in a pandemic kind of crisis, like the one we're currently going through, you'll notice that people seem to be much more comfortable with the idea that, that states can start placing restrictions on people's personal lives. Yeah. Right? So we've got shelter from home orders. Uh, some places are having curfews. Requiring certain businesses to shut down. Yeah, requi- exactly. Requiring certain businesses to shut down. So civil liberty concerns aside, or libertarian worries aside, pe- people who think a state should just never do this, mm-hmm. uh, I think most people are in agreement that the state has some right to limit rights or place constraints on the way you operate your personal life in a crisis. Right. And so you might think, well, maybe organizations have a sort of a limited right to do this kind of thing as well, that when there's a crisis uh, and it's not business as usual, you know, maybe organizations have some right to say, hey, ordinarily we don't place constraints on how you conduct your personal affairs. But in this case, you know, at minimum, we're going to ask you to work from home and not come into the office. And I think most people are going to think, you know, as long as it's feasible for me to get the work done, yeah, I'll work from home. And it's not unreasonable for an organization to make that kind of ask of its employees. I mean, does that seem reasonable? Yeah. Even though on its face, it's maybe actually a little weird, but I haven't met anyone who, when they were told to work from home, said, oh, no, no, my home is not my workplace. How dare you? There must be some other space to conduct business. So... On the very, very general issue, can an organization encroach on the personal life of an employee? You might think, to some extent, there are going to be circumstances in which that's okay. However, flip it. Go back to the state. We think that states maybe have a right to limit rights of citizens in the time of crisis. But that, that also really amps up the degree to which we think a state has a huge responsibility to provide in ways that we normally think they wouldn't have that kind of responsibility. Even my most fiscally conservative friends are saying it is now the government's job to step up, support this $3 trillion spending package to give people and businesses the cash that they ordinarily would be receiving if the economy were operating. And, and so we will accept that states are going to temporarily limit our rights, make us work from home, but the state sure as heck better provide 
for the workers that they are making work from home. Right. That also seems like a not wholly unreasonable claim. So then does a corporation or a business have those similar responsibilities towards, if they're, if they're making greater claims on their employees' time or on how they work, do they also have greater responsibility towards those employees? You know, that's a really good and I think really hard question uh, because things are going it, to, it's hard to just offer a blanket yes, because it's going to depend significantly on the particular circumstances of the organization. But mm-hmm. a, a general principle might be true that the degree to which you make significant asks of your employees in a time of crisis is sort of proportional to the degree to which you are obliged to be accommodating in ways mm. that you might otherwise not be. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So if it's a real small ask and not a huge encroachment on the employee's time or the way they conduct their personal affairs... Maybe maybe you don't have much responsibility, but if you're to placed, offset that, yeah, to offset it. But if you're placing mm-hmm. huge constraints on your employees, um, then 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 maybe uh, it kind of really amps up what you would be obliged to do hmm. in order to make that as not bad as possible. Right. So in in Robin's specific case, I'd say okay, maybe companies can make some asks of their employees that they might otherwise not do. But it's not like there would be absolutely no limits to this, right? Even if we think the state could restrict our rights in some way, we would say there's going to still be some threshold. There's still going to be some lines that even the state shouldn't cross. If the state started telling me how to raise my kids uh, or or where the kids could be in my house at a given time... (laughs) Uh, I might say, no, that's not, that's not okay. Um, even if we say that the organizations are allowed to make some asks of their employees' personal time and personal resources, uh, the degree to which that's okay and what they're going to be allowed to ask or permitted to ask, I think is going to vary pretty significantly on how much of an encroachment it is and how accommodating they're being in light of asking for that kind of encroachment. Right. Um, So the one I want to talk about specifically is this issue that Robin raises about not being able to take the desktops home. Kate, what do you think Robin's core objection is here? Well, it sounds to me uh, like a fairness complaint, probably, that it's not fair to be expected to do the same kind of work Mm -hmm. um, on maybe a less powerful computer or... Maybe you don't have any computer or that that it would be difficult to be held to the same standard uh, of your regular work not being provided with your regular resources. I think that's right. There does seem to be something odd about requiring someone to use personal resources and in no way helping them out on that front. Right. In fact, and again, we're not lawyers. This is an issue that's already starting to play out in the legal arena. California has pretty strict rules um, about what you might call BYOD policies or bring your own device policies. Again, not a lawyer, but my read of it is basically California says any personal expense you expect an employee to incur in order to carry out the work you want them to do, you're on the hook for... Uh, reimbursing them for that expense. 
And so I take it that would be if you require personal laptop use, you have some requirement uh, to, to reimburse them in some way, shape, or form. So there's uh, definitely some kind of legitimate moral intuition that I think someone might feel for thinking there's something fundamentally unfair about this. Robin raises another issue in that letter, doesn't she? Robin also mentions that she works in HR and deals with sensitive employee data and that she worries about the, the safety of that data, but also is sort of puzzled as to why her employer isn't more worried about the safety of that data. I think this is a really good point. Um, in fact, there's an article that just came out on CNN. The headline was, millions of Americans are suddenly working from home. That's a huge security risk. Uh, <laughs> right? I'm, and I mean, just think about it. You've got, you've got all these people working from like unsecured networks, probably over Wi-Fi. I'm just imagining all the havoc that someone could wreak by just driving through a neighborhood hacking into Wi-Fi, seeing what computers they could get on. Um, and so just to expect Ugh. people to handle all of that on their own, that just strikes me as a bit of a nightmare. Right. So I think we talk about these hidden moral dilemmas in our cases. I think Robin has really hit on a good one here. I'm wondering, though, so Robin has this gut instinct, and she fleshed it out by talking about fairness, talking about privacy. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there are some additional moral reasons in this particular case for thinking that maybe Robin's company should consider letting employees have laptops or take the desktops home, right? I thought that that seemed like a pretty reasonable compromise, right? You don't have to spend any more money. Uh, why not just let them take the desktops home? We've already gestured at fairness and privacy. I think another moral reason is basically what we were just talking about, that there seems to be this kind of give and take, that when an organization restricts the rights or at, makes significant asks on people to disrupt their personal lives, mm -hmm. they have added responsibility that they otherwise might not have to be accommodating, right? Maybe in ordinary everyday circumstances, you don't just let people take their desktops home. But right. we're in a crisis. And you're asking them to significantly alter their way of life at home. Maybe that gives you clearance and possibly obligation to be accommodating by letting them in this particular case because it's a crisis. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense to me that uh, you ask more, you give more, especially when everyone is navigating this really hard time, um, that it seems like this would be an opportunity that would not necessarily guarantee that you had to do this forever, but it would be an opportunity to do more than usual. Another reason that a company might have to provide devices for their employees when they can, you know, when it's, when it's your company's device, you own the device and you could theoretically at any time say, Hey, I need that device. Something didn't go right. I need to look at all the files on there. I need to make sure we didn't lose something, right? You have significant right to the physical piece of hardware. Right. Um, there's an expectation that there won't be too much personal stuff on there. And if there is personal stuff on there, it's no longer something that that employee would have a right to you not seeing. Like, you know, don't do personal stuff on a company computer that you wouldn't be comfortable <laughs> having your employer see because... They have a right to just come in, grab that, and look to see what's going on on their property. 
Right. This seems maybe more of a legal than moral reason, but it does seem just a little counterintuitive for a company to rely on personal computers for Mm -hmm. their info, because let's say an employee quits. Maybe they never get that information back, or they can never be sure that the employee um, deleted everything or isn't using software that was somehow connected to their job. It seems so much riskier. Yeah. Legally, you're right. Legally, uh, this is a legal reason to an extent. They just... They don't have a right, but the consequences of the law for the company are going to be pretty bad, right? So Yeah, for I sure. Don't, I don't know how worried uh, the leadership at Robin's organization would be about this, but it's definitely something worth considering that's independent from fairness uh, or privacy. You don't have a lot of right to what's going on on a computer that is their personal property. I was also wondering if this might be a breach of some implicit or even explicit agreement of some people's workplaces. I mean, everything is new for everyone right now, but it sort of sprung on people out of nowhere, a new work requirement of all of a sudden, this is a part of what it means to do your job. Yeah. And this would especially be true if the agreement was explicit. I mean, if the agreement's explicit, if you have a a contract that says you'll be provided with a computer to do your work. Right. So if Robin either had an explicit agreement or felt that there was some sort of implicit agreement, it would give her more reason to be bothered by this choice for her management. Yeah, I think so. So I do think there are then several interesting moral reasons by which someone in Robin's position could make the case, you know, I have a legitimate claim on some of these resources And the company needs to be providing us with that in order for us to get our jobs done if they expect us to continue to get our jobs done. So I'm really focused on this manager's no and trying to understand it. I don't think we've really discussed the reasons why a manager might have this policy and that might help Robin either understand their decision or maybe start talking to them about their reasons and trying to get them to evolve on this policy. Yeah, I would hate for our discussion to be terribly one-sided. So I think you're right. Uh, I think practical steps for Robin would be, first, try to get a sense as to what moral reasons a manager might have for making this decision. And then, as Kate said, either you'll say, oh, well, it's not as bad as I thought because we've thought through it. Uh, Or you might think, okay, these are the reasons they might have, but they're not good ones. And now I have the resources to engage in dialogue and say, okay, here are all the moral reasons why I think we should be allowed to do this. And here are all the reasons I think you might have for thinking we shouldn't. And I don't think they're any good. And here's why. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, So one of two things. So Andy, if you're Robin's manager, what are some reasons that you might have to say, nope, no one's taking their desktops home. We're not buying anyone laptops. Use your personal computer. That's the end. I think the first thing I'm thinking is, Ugh, what a logistical nightmare of having all these <laughs> desktops just taken from this centralized location and, and scattered all over the place. If, if I'm head of IT and I'm thinking about every employee ripping their desktop out of their cubicle, I, I think I'm a nervous wreck at that point. I just, I <laughs> right. just, that's something I'm like, I don't even want to, f- I can't even fathom how we're going to make that work. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm the manager and I'm not the IT person, I'm thinking, oh gosh, I, I do not want to go to this IT person and let them know that I've made the executive decision to let every single employee take this machine that that IT person has carefully put in place and made sure works properly 
And I'm imagining that IT person just thinking, how is this going to work? I'm done, right? Right. I'm imagining one person who's got it on their back riding their bicycle home. (laughs) And and that that the IT person is like, my babies. (laughs) Right. And then the the person who didn't know, you know, that you have to push the power button, right? How is this person going to get their computer to their home office? Um, And so, I I mean, I'm, I'm thinking maybe that's one thing that might be going through the manager's head. Now, I don't know what I'd say in response to that, uh, except that, hey, these are like really, really, really weird, uncertain times. Yeah, it's a little chaotic to figure out what's going on with all these computers all over the place. But look at the world around you right now. I mean, right. that is a kind of chaos that I would deal with if it helped my organization navigate the chaos that the entire world is currently uh, going through. But maybe that's right. it. There's, there's a logistical headache of some kind. Uh, do you have one in mind? Yeah, I th- and I think it's a little bit related to these are unusual times. They may worry, though, that if they say yes now, they're saying yes forever. And so it sets a bad precedent or that this is there's going to be some sort of slippery slope that, well, they took their desktops home. And then someone was like, oh, well, I really want my office chair or I really want to bring my desk home. And that the feeling that the whole office would just be emptied of furniture, um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that there's everyone's coming and taking every, every right. stick of furniture out of the office. Or, if the, or worry that like, well, if we allow it now, that hopefully when things are back to normal, that people will say like, oh, well, I want to bring this home so I can work over the weekend. Or maybe I want to bring my desktop home every night so I can work. And this feeling of like, if I allow it now, then I'll never be able to say, no, things have to stay in the office. Right, right. I, you know, I think that's a really uh, good point. I think when thinking about why managers say no, the words bad precedent almost always come up. Or mm-hmm. if we allow this, then we're going to have to allow this other thing. And if managers aren't comfortable articulating principled reasons why, it would be okay to do this thing, but not okay to do this other thing. They just It's easier to just say no. It's way easier to say no right. than say allowed in this case, but not allowed in these other cases. And I can't tell you what the difference is between those two, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so w- if you think that's what's going on with a manager, then I think the best thing to do is be prepared to draw those principled lines. And, and here, I think there are some principled lines, like A, this is a crisis. So yeah, we can allow people to take stuff home now, but as soon as the pandemic's over, it's back to normal. Right, um, right. And B, if we let you do this, do we let you take your office chair? No, we're, we're only going to let you take company resources that we think are absolutely essential for you to get the job done. And we think you don't have a good way of getting this from what you already have at your home or something, right? And a desktop might mm-hmm. fit that bill. But who knows? Uh, you know, the, some of the other things, like you don't get to take the office coffee machine home because right. <laughs> you need caffeine to do your work because... We assume if you need caffeine to do your work, we also need, you need caffeine at home and you probably have a coffee machine at home, right? Those, those kinds of right. things. Right, right. Um, so, but just in general, if you think it's, if it's a bad precedent kind of reason or there's this slippery slope, just being able to articulate to your manager clear, here's why it would be okay to do it in this case, but not in this other case. Right. Give them that reason. Give them that principled reason. I think uh, one that might be sort of similar to the physical damage that an IT director would be worried about is just misuse of a work computer. Maybe you let your kids play computer games Mm. or there's always sort of like the general things that people worry about uh, uh, using your, your, we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I think that, um, one, those are typical worries. I mean, lots of people already have work-provided computers, and those companies manage. I think most people are able to behave um, well sort of on their own without being told. And if they do misbehave, I think every company has the right then to say, you have misused this, right? I, I think with their provided computer, they also get to establish what the rules are. Well, and I just thought of this. If they have a personal laptop and you give them an additional desktop, which they could do some work on, then uh, maybe they could keep their three-year-old out of the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when they're on a conference call because now they have two devices. You could let the kid play ABC Mouse or something. Uh, <laughs> while, while you're doing uh, the business work. So this, this is one of those cases where if you're going to make a significant ask of your employees, giving them additional resources in order to accommodate that ask might be okay. So it'd be, it'd be less bad, you know. Right. They'll be better able to achieve what you're asking because they have this extra computer in the house. Right. Are there any other issues that a manager might be thinking of? I think, I think maybe uh, a manager could just be grappling with massive uncertainty yeah. about the company's future. Uh, what, what does this company look like one, two, three years down the line? Uh, you know, and people are, I think, very reluctant to make significant decisions about resource allocation mm -hmm. in a time of high uncertainty. And so uh, they could be either just, this isn't necessarily a moral reason, they could just be decisionally shutting down. Sure. Easier to say no in times of uncertainty, but they might have some actual moral reasons like, you know, it's just not responsible to distribute all this company property across all these different locations when we have no idea what this company is going to look like a year or two years from now. I mean, I don't know much about bankruptcy law, but I'm thinking, you know, if, what if the company felt like they had to file for bankruptcy or uh, maybe a, a rosier picture was eligible for some kind of emergency loan, but had to track their inventory, had to say how many desktops they have and where they are. I mean, maybe, maybe that's even gets used for collateral and you don't yeah. want your collateral, you know, scattered everywhere. Sort um, of unaccounted for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe something like that is, is going on uh, yeah. inside a, a manager's mind. But ultimately, many of the reasons we've been discussing for thinking that an employer or manager might have for not accommodating the request to let people bring desktops home mm -hmm. are these very special, we are in really unusual times right now kinds of reasons. Yeah. Um, so I go back to what we said earlier. If the state or an organization needs employees to be understanding and flexible in a time of crisis, I don't think they get to do that without also incurring obligations to be accommodating. And the degree to which they're obligated to be accommodating will, of course, vary from case to case, and it'll depend a lot on the circumstances. But it certainly seems that the degree to be accommodating increases with the degree to which you're making significant asks of your employees or your citizens. So Robin, I hope that's helpful. I think you had some really insightful intuitions for thinking that something isn't quite right here, but we also tried to come up with some reasons that a person in a position of management might have. So uh, whatever you do with this, we hope you can take some of that and get it to work for you. And thank you to everyone for listening. 
Um, I'm Andy Cullison. And I'm Kate Barry. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at katherineberry at depaw.edu and maybe we'll talk through your issue on the air. If you want to learn more about what we talked about on the show today, check out our show notes page at prindleinstitute.org backslash work. That's all one word, get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is the best place for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show is made possible with the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics.